0: Welcome to a special edition of Planetary Radio. My name is Matt Kaplan. We uh, have put aside the program that we were going to uh, play for you tonight, and it will return along with our our regular format next week on February 10th. But in light of the tragedy that took place Saturday morning, we uh, wanted to do something a little bit special. So we are live, as this is being transmitted at least on KUCI, with a, uh, a special tribute and consideration of the meaning of what happened on Saturday. On the Planetary Society website, this statement was posted on February 1st. The Space Shuttle Columbia was lost today in the quest to explore space. The astronauts who died during reentry from orbit were humankind's representatives in that quest. We extend our heartfelt sympathy to the families, friends, and loved ones of the crew of STS-107. We also share the sorrow of NASA and all the teams that were part of this flight. The causes and implications of this tragedy will be widely discussed in the days and weeks ahead. The Planetary Society and its members worldwide are devoted to space exploration, and we will help in any way we can with the recovery from this tragedy. Today, we can only express our concern and sorrow. And it is signed by Bruce Murray, Wesley T. Huntress, Jr., Neil deGrasse Tyson, and... Louis D. Friedman, who is the Executive Director of the Planetary Society. And uh, Lou Friedman joins us on the phone now, if this is working. Lou, are you there?
1: I'm here. Nice to talk to you, Matt.
0: Lou, thank you for joining us. We certainly uh, expected to have you back on Planetary Radio, but uh, not under these circumstances.
1: It is a difficult time. Uh, it's a time that uh, we've encountered before in the space program, uh, and uh, uh, it reminds us all, of course, that space is risky. Uh, I've actually written on that subject three or four times in the last uh, uh, couple of years, but fortunately, in those cases, it was always about robotic uh, spacecraft that we've lost, uh, and those those were serious losses, and we were sorry to have that happen. But, of course, it pales in insignific- insignificance to... Uh, uh, Loss of human life, uh, and uh, just as the human uh, exploration ventures are great triumphs, uh, there also can be great tragedies, and that's what we're experiencing now.
0: It really is about risk and exploration, and uh, and what it means to be human, isn't it?
1: It does. Uh, uh, the um Humans are, as we said in our statement, they're, they're the emissaries, they're representatives in the exploration of space. Um, and fortunately, at least uh, uh, I'm alive in the generation that still regards humans as important, As uh, we haven't turned it all over to robots yet, uh, that uh, it, it, the idea of exploration is a very human idea. Uh, and we're not, I think, satisfied uh, just by extending our uh, robotic reach out there and uh, and saying that's enough. Uh, so the humans are, are very much the emissaries of, uh, of our aspiration to explore other worlds, to uh, explore our limits, to go faster and fly- farther and, and higher. Um, at the same time, I think uh, we do live in an age that's heavily influenced by robotics, and and the cost of the uh, of, of these enterprises must be taken into account. So we need to focus not on humans versus robots. That's a issue that i think is thankfully behind us but on the specific roles that humans do and this where, where the planetary society feels quite strongly that uh, humans should be used only where they're essential where the risk is balanced by a great potential gain and not for the mundane tasks that uh, could be done better in a robotic uh, program
0: so there is a balance to be struck
1: definitely humans sometimes are in the way of uh, certain activities of of science uh, uh, in a space station or in a laboratory Uh, at other times of course they're going to be essential and of course when we get to other worlds uh, we don't ever think that it should end with robotic exploration it should definitely be leading toward uh, toward human exploration so uh, it is very much a balance Uh, we call for example in our Mars program, uh, a series of robotic missions, but we want to actually have the, even the near-term robotic missions lead to a Mars outpost that can be the first uh, infrastructure for the humans that, that will get there. Uh, so we'd like to begin work on that now uh, and not uh, and not wait to some distant future like uh, some would counsel. So in that sense we're more aggressive about the human program. On the other hand, uh, because of the uh, kinds of things that uh, that can happen because of the great risk, uh, we would not use humans for the mundane activities of delivering cargo to space or even uh, some aspects of laboratory science that are unrelated to the life sciences themselves.
0: Let's talk about this uh, this mission of Columbia, this last mission of Columbia. It was a very special one in terms of uh, the science role that it was playing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was a long-delayed science mission, and uh, the principal job of the uh, uh, shuttle is to uh, uh, construct the space station. And... Uh, the United States has got it in itself all bollocked up in a plan in which uh, the space shuttle's sole justification is, uh, is is really the development of the space station, and we're entirely reliant on it. But uh, there was a space science uh, goal, and it had to be put off and put off and put off in the uh, in the recent uh, year and a half, last year and a half. And this was the flight that was culminating in that, and it was doing a wonderful thing. It not I only had uh, uh, many hundreds of uh, wonderful experiments but it also had uh, uh, students involved uh, from around the world and in our own effort of uh, uh, something very special a Palestinian and Israeli student working together on a astrobiology experiment that was uh, uh, conceived by uh, Dr. Aaron Schenker in Israel and Dr. David Warmflash uh, uh, who's at the NASA Johnson Space Center and, uh, and I,
0: I should mention that David Warmflash will be joining us in about uh, less than ten minutes.
1: Uh. Oh wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and uh, and so uh, we were actually able to do a meaningful astrobiology experiment related to the idea of bacteria traveling through space, and bring in a peace initiative with a Palestinian Israeli student. So that's one of the real va- advantages and virtues of the space program is it's very inspiring and involves so many people on Earth in the inspiration of, uh, the, to uh, to achieve and, and uh, the best. And in this sense, I think they value of space transcends the value of any given experiment, and I would hope that uh, even our experiment, uh, which of course uh, uh, was on this uh, tragic flight, uh, even our experiment still has that legacy of uh, bringing people together on a great goal.
0: I I can't decide whether it was monumentally terrible, uh, unfortunate timing, or good timing, uh, the NASA budget was uh, unveiled today, or at least notes. There was going to be a press conference I know you were going to be monitoring, which has been postponed. But I wonder if you've had a chance to look at uh, the information that has been released. Uh,
1: I have looked at the, uh, some of it, uh, not, not a whole lot. Uh, uh, the press conference, of course, was called off, and the summary statement was delayed in getting out. So I only know a little about the budget. Uh, the president had, a, uh, as far as planetary is concerned, uh, uh President had proposed a new initiative uh, with uh, nuclear power that's going to be used for deep space exploration, which we we uh, welcome, uh, because uh, the future of exploration uh, will greatly benefit from uh, having a nuclear power system that could be on the surface of Mars or taking us to the outer planets. In addition, the uh, human physiology initiative for uh, Earth orbit uh, studies of uh, human capabilities for the future, and it had the Pluto mission, which we had so long Campaign for, uh, and finally uh, appear to have uh, uh, won a victory in having the administration and NASA accept it as part of their program. So uh, we were, uh, I think, were encouraged by the budget. As I say, I don't know all the details uh, yet, and it's going to change now because it's got to go to Congress, and uh, Congress has to take into account uh, all the events of this past weekend. So I'm sure it's going to change, but. Uh, the intent and the commitment to exploration is very good.
0: What would you hope would happen with the NASA budget?
1: Well, uh, I have resisted for years, uh, Matt, uh, giving budget directions, budget guidelines. I want the budget to go up 5%, 10%, 20%. Unlike every other citizen, I want my budget to go up. Hundred percent, and I want
2: my taxes to go
1: down 100%, uh, and the two don't ever meet. Uh, I think the answer is not. I can't think about the budget in terms of money. I have to think about it in terms of programs. I have to think about what I want to accomplish. I want the Mars program to be a vigorous, active program of exploration uh, every two to four years. Uh, I want landers on the surface. I want good orbit uh, orbiters to do site selection for future Mars outposts. Uh, I want the outer planets explored, I want a mission to Europa, I want a mission to Pluto. And I think these they, they can be all balanced in a program that is not uh, out of line with previous budgets. And from time to time, there has to be a national commitment to undertake uh, great ventures like we, we had with the Apollo program in our Mars program, and I hope someday we'll have humans to Mars as well. So it's, to me, it's not a matter of uh, trying to think of what I want with the NASA budget. There's great issues now confronting it. Uh, do we build a replacement orbiter for the one that was lost, or do we have? To, uh, do we say that's a, going backwards and committing to the past? Do we now look at the next generation of launch vehicles and decide how we want to do human flight in the future? Then, once we derive an answer to that question, we come up with what the budget is that's necessary to do that. I hope we make a commitment to the future and not to the past. I hope we make a commitment human exploration, even if it's on a longer time scale, and that we don't make another short-range negative decision about trying to fill in a stopgap measure, as we did with the shuttle, and then have to uh, live with it for 30 years because we we didn't make the commitment to the future of human exploration.
0: Lou Friedman, uh, that's about all the time we have left for this segment. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time tonight to go on with us live on this uh, special edition of Planetary Radio.
1: Well, thank you, Matt, and uh, thanks always to uh, the Planetary Society members who are on our website, to your listeners in the uh, UCI area who are on the radio station, because uh, this enormous outpouring of public interest now is, I think, what's going to sustain the space program in the uh, weeks and months and and years to come.
0: Thank you, Lou. Lou Friedman is the executive director of the Planetary Society and one of the uh, founders of that group. We're going to be back with uh, David Warmflash, Dr. David Warmflash, who was uh, one of the investigators with an experiment On that uh, ill-fated shuttle, Columbia, Uh, he will be with us live here on Planetary Radio in just a moment. Please stay with us. This special edition of Planetary Radio continues now, as uh, promised, with uh, Dr. David Warmflash. David, are you with us? Yeah, hi, Matt. David, thank you very much. Uh, I guess we're talking to you at your lab at the University of Houston.
2: Right. That's right.
0: This has uh, been a hell of a hell of a three days for you, hasn't it?
2: Oh, it is. I just came straight from the airport, actually.
0: You, y- you were in back Florida.
2: From, back from Florida.
0: I, I guess you were there waiting for what you expected would be a triumphant landing.
2: Matt, I was right at the runway, as close as you're allowed to get, right in front of the clock. Um, I was standing with Dr. Yael Barr of the Israeli Aerospace Medicine Institute, and uh, for a while with uh, Dr. Iran Shankar of the Israeli Aerospace Medicine Institute. Although Iran had gone up, uh, some reporters had called him up to ask him some questions what's going on as the clock was getting near zero. And uh, Ya'el and I were just wondering what what could he possibly be saying. No one knew anything at that point, but he's pretty good with with that, with kind of improvising. And it got near zero, and we got really worried, and uh, and we we kn- we just didn't see it. It it didn't come, and uh, something was up. And then we heard announcements uh, that last contact with the shuttle. Uh, had been at 200,000 feet over New Mexico somewhere, and then we got the the call to get back on the bus uh, to be evacuated. And then on the bus, everybody's cell phone started going off, all the people calling us and asking, "Do you know anything?" And we didn't know anything. And that that usual kind of confusion was horrible.
0: I, I guess you must have been um, pretty much aware that uh, Columbia and the crew. And for that matter, your experiment were lost, or so you thought.
2: Well, it's, we still think uh, that the experiment is very likely lost. There's always an outside possibility, given the type of container that was holding it. But we don't. We're not thinking about that right now. Immediately, sure. we're thinking about we, we these astronauts were involved with us uh, uh, in, in the experiment, and uh, we kind of just in a few days, and we're we're, we're scientists, but we're also humans.
0: And Lou Friedman uh, was uh, talking about how uh, this was really a science mission, and uh, the astronauts were kept extremely busy uh, with all of the experiments. Of course, there were many others uh, other than yours that we talked about on this uh, radio show just a couple of weeks ago. But your experiment had an angle that I don't think the others had, and that was this involvement by a Palestinian student and an Israeli student. Uh, Were the astronauts aware of that?
2: Actually, uh, yeah. The the astronauts uh, were, all seven astronauts, were aware that there were various experiments from different students of different countries, including Israel and Arab countries. And then the two astronauts who actually worked on the experiment for us, uh, people are starting to get to know the astronauts by name. Casey was the astronaut who activated it. She's the Indian-born American astronaut, uh, mm. a wonderful woman. Um she she knew more of what exactly the experiment was and Laurel is one of the doctors and she deactivated it for us uh, on the last day before before the uh was supposed to land and they had a list of all the experiments and more or less how they worked on the CBEX 2 module which was a module sent up by the ITA company which is a small space company in Pennsylvania. A lot of these experiments go through these companies as I think I mentioned on the, the last time that I was on. So they had an idea about the experiments and then the Israeli astronaut Ilan Ramon he knew specifically that this was a special project between a, a Palestinian student and an Israeli student, and he was very happy about it, I heard.
0: Uh, Yuval Landau, the Israeli student, is in Israel, and it's about <laughs> coming up on 4 a.m. there, yeah, so we didn't bother him. I don't
2: think we should wake him up. No.
0: Uh, we did, though, talk to Tariq Adwan uh, earlier today, who sends you his regards. He wished that he could join us again this evening, uh, but uh, he could not. He uh, could not break away from the plans he had this evening. Right. And, of course, uh, uh, you, the two of you and others have been getting a lot of coverage. Uh, you were, I heard you on Fox News Channel yesterday.
1: Now, if, you,
2: if that had happened say, two or three days ago, if I had known that that would happen and the experiment would get all this publicity, normally I would have been just ecstatic about it, but uh, who would have wanted it this way?
0: Yeah, of course. You mentioned that, as far as we know, the experiment is lost. But uh, And we're not really breaking a story here because I think you said it's already been uh, carried by the Jerusalem Post.
2: Right. The but Jerusalem I'm... Post is running uh, an article that came out today uh, mentioning uh, an outside possibility that uh, the well, the way that these experiments worked in the CBIx 2 module is there are a couple of different machines that hold them, and the one that held this experiment and the other two experiments uh, on which I was a principal investigator with Arun Shankar uh, was um, called a DMDA and the ITA company sent two of these DMDA's up and the president of ITA John Cassanto is has been saying that his his uh company who are they're the ones who know the device they can recognize it they can recognize the container from the outside they have been stating publicly that they believe that one of the two DMDA devices that they sent up can be visualized as a uh, in one piece in some of the material that has been recovered. The
0: debris that uh, is spread over 100 miles. Right. Mm-hmm. And they are
2: saying it's built like a brick and that they, they know their piece of equipment very well. Now, that doesn't say anything about, well, first of all, which one of the DMDAs it is whether it's the one with these experiments and not only the experiments that the two students and and i and iran shankar and other members of the israeli aerospace medicine institute sent up but there were several others on that device from other researchers who had nothing to do with us with some pretty valuable experiments on things like understanding how cancer cells grow and if there is an outside possibility that they might be uh, on there and but first of all, it has to be the correct one of the two DMDAs, which look identical on the outside. And second, it ha- would have to be shown that the the, the seals are, are not broken to the extent that the, the samples would be lost on the inside. However, the, the God's experiment, as Tariq uh, explained last time, the way it works is that we have bacterial samples growing on kind of rock material in space, but right before the shuttle leaves orbit, one of the astronauts, who in this case was Laurel, would add a fixing agent, which was glutaraldehyde, and then that is basically like a preservative, and that'll preserve it for a very long time. And if, if this were to be the case, And this is a very big if. I want to emphasize that. I don't think it's going to be the case. But if, it would mean that really all the the growth, if there has been growth in space on the rocks, would have been preserved and it wouldn't be necessarily time-dependent. So that if the authorities had to hold on to it for a while, but then later we were to get access to it after weeks or even months, then there's a possibility it still might be scientifically
0: useful. No question. Time for, you know, hopes and prayers. Uh, When I mentioned this to Tariq uh, earlier uh, today, uh, he had not heard about this story yet, and he had the right word for it. He said it would be... A miracle to to think that, even as an extreme long shot, the possibility that this experiment might still be completed, and the work of these astronauts uh, you no know,
2: if you watch the astronauts they were a lot they were on NASA television a lot the last few days, both before and after the tragedy and if you just watch them working, they were so fascinated by all of these experiments, they mm-hmm. were well aware of the scientific value this mission was just packed with very useful and important scientific studies and although we are just so of course we're have we've, we've lost seven brilliant people seven great wonderful human beings um but i think that it's it's not uh, too much of a of a of a uh, speculative statement to say that they would have wanted Something to come out of 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 this uh tragedy if if something could come out of it, short of the crew making it back alive uh given that it had been a tragedy already, if an experiment had survived and and had produced some answer to a scientific question uh i I think that they would have really like that.
0: I have no doubt you're correct there. And and we should mention that some of the other experiments uh, on board Columbia, sure. uh, the results were sent down by telemetry and voice uh, report. And so uh, certainly just in terms of the research, it wasn't yeah. in vain. But you know what? It wasn't in vain even if no results ha- had been returned.
2: No, definitely not. We, we've we gained uh, experience in, in uh, I guess, uh... Putting together a science flight, and uh, unfortunately, it was came to a tragic end. Yes, but uh, I don't think that if you would ask any of the astronauts, uh, given given the danger and given the odds, and they were aware of the dangers, I don't think any one of those seven would have would have thought twice about getting aboard that that vehicle. That's how they were. That's the type of people they were.
0: I'm sure you're right. David, warm flash, we have only a, a minute or two left here. Where do you and your uh, co-investigators go from here if the the experiment is not recovered?
2: Well, if it's not recovered, then obviously there, are, there aren't any post-flight studies we can do. We have ground controls, but it's only the ground controls. Um, but we have ideas for doing experiments in the future, hopefully in the near future. We hope that NASA will be able to uh, have either the shuttle fleet running again safely or come up with other ways to bring things into space. And and it's also possible to talk with the Russians to try to in the event that it takes a while uh, to get the American space transport to orbit run again, which I don't think it will. They seem to be uh, pretty confident and moving ahead a lot faster than, let's say, after the Challenger disaster. Yes. Um, but the, the Russians are also available, and we have some contacts with a few of their biomedical uh, people, some, some of the physicians there that we've uh, known from conferences and might might be very interested in collaborating on, on different astrobiology experiments and, and, uh, and space biology experiments.
0: David, uh, we will wish you uh, the best of luck uh, in all of those future efforts. David Warmflash, Dr. David Warmflash, has been speaking to us from his lab at the University of Houston. David, we'll look forward to having you on Planetary Radio again sometime in the future.
2: Thank you, man. I, I hope the next time it will be under happier circumstances.
0: Let's hope so. Thanks very much. And that's about all the time we have left for this special live edition of Planetary Radio. We will return to our regular format uh, next Monday, Monday the 10th. We hope that you'll be with us then uh, for all of our regular features. Uh, We will certainly hope for a return to space and that these lives that have been lost are not forgotten, that the mission and the purpose that they live for, a very human one, will be remembered by all of us and acted on. And this has been Matt Kaplan uh, with Planetary Radio. Thanks very much for listening. We'll uh, see you next week.